Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. All right, Evan. Today we're going to talk about creating your own work. All right, Brandon. Let's talk about creating our own work. <laughs> you know, we didn't have much of a talk about it. We just kind of said, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Let's see what happens. That's that's how I love uh, these conversations is sometimes say, all right, this is what we're going to talk about. And I don't know. In fact, I might just, we might just stumble upon something that I never knew before. Or, well, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah, we'll explore. Let's explore this idea of creating your own work as a uh, as an artist as a as a creative person yeah so i mean uh well first of all i think um you know i think that well i I can come from the acting and filmmaking background i think if you're not into creating your own work you're always at the mercy of the industry you know you're always you're always waiting for someone to give you the thumbs up you know what i mean and uh and you have no control over that and you know you can look at it as luck or whatever but i think that you have a certain experience yeah and it's a very difficult it's a very difficult way to work mm-hmm. uh when you're just completely catering yourself towards uh whatever the established industry is that you're a part of mm-hmm. it can it can be really grueling and and soul sucking in my in my own experience Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the other thing too, is if you want to create work, if you, it's not just work. I mean, when I think of art, I mean, it's not just about working. It's about creating something that you care about. You know, I think, uh, you, you might work a lot, but are you working on stuff that you care about? You know, and I think that's a, an important question to ask because at the end of the day, at the end of your life, you know, when you, when you look at anything, do you want to look at it? Well, yeah. Okay. I got paid a bunch of money. I was, on television, I was in front of my friends or my art piece was hung on this wall or whatever. But like, was that art that you wanted to create? Was that a story you wanted to tell? Was it a character you wanted to play? I think when it comes to creating your own work, you start to take a little bit of ownership over what you want. Yeah. And also, I mean, to touch on that, is is that all it is for you? Mm -hmm. And I don't think so. You know, if everything that you do is for, you know, is for that moment of being on screen, you know, to show your friends or having your piece hung up on some person's wall somewhere. It's like, I, I don't think that that's really the ultimate goal. I mean, because so much, that's, that's such a small part of what it is that you do. Mm -hmm. Like the actual sort of completed thing is such a small part. Yeah. Well, I think, and also when I think when people but there's a kind of a consensus, at least in the film industry, I find where people talk about create your own work, create your own work, all this, but it's all about, let's create our own work so that we can get seen so we can open up this door so that, you know, maybe this will work or whatever. But creating your own work is not just about whether the public likes it or not. It's not whether it opens a door for you. It's about, you know, creating your own work is about expressing yourself. It's about actually saying something that you care about. Saying. Yeah. Like doing something that comes from you that, that fulfills you in some kind of way, Mm -hmm. fulfills uh, a voice that's, that's inside of you that, that 
wants expression. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think you're dead on. I think that's, that is the way to approach your work because yeah, even if you are creating your own work, you know, say that you like, Oh, uh, you know, I'm going to make this uh, short film or something and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be about werewolves, you know, because that seems to be really, really hot right now or something. No, like, but you know, like I've, I've had that mentality before and I, and I <laughs> run into people with that mentality still. And it's yeah. just like, well, do you care about that? Like not, there's nothing wrong. If you really, really feel compelled to tell this werewolf story, then my God, go and do it. Go yeah. and go and make that work. <laughs> but if you're doing it because you're like, oh, well, this is, seems to be really popular. This will get me noticed. And then that, that will help me get into a door, you know, with this casting director and blah, blah, blah. It's like you're, you're, kind of back in the same position that you started with where it was just like, Oh, okay, well I'm not working on something right now. So I need to create my own work. You know, like it's, you're, you're still, you've just kind of come full circle mm -hmm. in that sense, except it's a very short circle. Yeah. Like, all right, I'm going to create my own work. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. You're still in the same place you were before. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think if you want to create a story it, and, it, and it's common, but you really care about like zombies or whatever, it doesn't matter, but you really care about that. You, you're really excited about it and you're interested in it and it's something that you really want to do. You might be able to tell it in a way that's better than anyone else because you care about it so much. But I think if you do it because you think it'll work, like, you know, there's a, uh, I mean, even when we did the townsfolk and we wrote that script and we we're like, let's write a horror film that will sell, you know, because yeah. at the time a friend of mine had written a horror film and it had sold and whatever. And we thought, oh, let's do the same thing, which we could have pretty much got that same deal. But I think we went through the process and initially I think it started from that place. But then as we got into it, we started really telling the story that we wanted to tell a little more. You know what I mean? We started to like the story. And then I think there was still a part of it, which was like, we, we didn't make it because we didn't necessarily make it solely because we wanted to tell a story. We made it partly because we wanted to tell a horror and that was still in it. And so then the rewrite we've been doing, the newest one, especially how, how much better in my opinion it's becoming simply because it's, it's like, yeah, we just happen to be writing in a horror genre. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and we still wanted to really craft a great story mm -hmm. out of it. You know, it was not and yeah, it was, that was, that was an interesting way. It doesn't mean that you, yeah, you, you can't necessarily take on a project and find and really find the love in it for what you're doing. Um, but I don't know, in general, I would say like, it's always best to go from, it's like, well, is there, is there something that you've really been kind of burning to do? Whatever your medium is, if you're a musician, if you're an actor, if you're a writer and you don't have some kind of work that's on your plate right now, like that's, that's kind of been offered to you or, or you've been sort of contracted to do and you're just left to your own devices. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the perfect opportunity to do that passion project. Like just get started, mm -hmm. get started on it because like what, when, when will be a good time to do it? Yeah. Yeah. There's always, you know, there's always an excuse not to make what you want to make or do what you want to do. I mean, you know, you can, you can always come up with something, but I think that if you are always chasing whatever industry you're in, if you're always chasing it and following it and trying to keep up with it, 
you know, I remember like being from Vancouver. I remember when everybody's like, oh, it's hot in Toronto right now. Let's all go over to Toronto. And everybody went over to Toronto. And then, you know, not too long over that, came hot again in Vancouver, you know, tax break, whatever. And every, all the actors come back here. You know what I mean? It's like, if you're chasing the industry, you know, it's interesting. If you looked at maybe some people, maybe that worked out for, and that's probably why a lot of the other people followed. But if you look at the per person, how much benefit did they actually get from that? Great, you traveled to another part of the country. Great, you experienced some new things, probably met some new people, saw some new things. But the choice comes from, if the choice came from a place of, I'm going to chase the industry because that's where it's hot. I think that you're always going to be a step behind. Because once you find out something's hot, there's already so many people doing it that you're just following a trend. In, in, you know, in stocks, they talk a lot about, you know, you want to look you want to look for the things that are that are about to become hot, the things that are about to work. You want to pay attention, you want to be ahead of the curve. And that isn't about following what everyone's doing. Especially, you know, especially if you're not like in high risk stocks. If everybody starts selling, that that might be actually a good time to start buying. Because now you're in an opportunity where if you if you can see that that stock's going to last, buying up now is when your stock's going to be worth a lot, right? So in these down times that we have, and, you know, at least in the film industry, that's the time to start making your work, not the time to start chasing the industry. I think that, you know, there's, there's always an ebb and a flow. Like, you know, being in the filmmaking side of things, I find that when we have a really high tax break, our dollar's low, there's a lot of American productions coming in, there's a lot of additions for actors, Actors have a lot more to do, so they spend more time on their acting. But when you know when when our dollar goes higher and the tax breaks lower and whatever situations going on in the world, then less people are acting. But I find a lot of people want to make films. It's a great time to make a film when the industry is down. If you want to get your film made, a lot of people are dying to work, and so you can get you know you can get people who are some of the top people in the industry ready to make something great. And I and actually, if you look at a lot of the best independent films that come out, you might start to notice that a lot of that opportunity comes out of the fact that, you know, especially like I'm talking like real independent, like stuff that's in the, you know, just under a few hundred thousand dollars. You know, a lot of the time, those are born, look where they're born out of cities that are struggling because artists pick up the slack and they make something and that's when they make something great. And then you look at the bigger productions and what they do, bigger productions can chase the industry because they're trying to get the tax break. But the thing is, is, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to just kind of chase, are you going to chase everything your whole life? Or are you going to make something and create it? And I think making your own work is about, you know, looking at something as an opportunity, you know? And, uh, yeah. And, uh, and also I think that making something that you truly feel, uh, compelled and inspired and passionate about is also like you're there to me there's almost that that guarantee that you're not going to be chasing Mm -hmm. you know if you're doing something that is uh that is that is authentic to you then you'll never be caught chasing anything no so that's kind of a nice like additional benefit to it as well people will be chasing you and i know this for a fact because when we did uh you know soldiers of the apocalypse right at first, it was this little tiny dinky web series that we were doing, and I remember before I even did the first, you know, the first episode of it, I remember people saying, "Oh, you can't do that." It's not. This was before 
this is before a lot of this stuff was really big. Like now this type of stuff, it's like everybody's doing it. But this was kind of like pioneering, right? So when we were doing it, not a lot, of, this wasn't super public. You know, there's a few people out there who were doing similar stuff, but no one had done quite this. They go, you couldn't have all these soldiers and all these outfits and all these, you know, military gear and guns and whatever. And I said, no, I'm going to do it. I, you know, it doesn't, it's not a matter of if, I don't know how exactly. It's just a matter of I'm going to do it because this is what I want to do. After we made that first episode, we had that release, I had so many people contacting me. My, my Facebook, my email was inundated with people from all over the world saying, how do I get on your show? I still get messages today because a lot of the actors that I brought onto that show are actors that are cast in major television shows and people are asking me for interviews about how was it to work with this actor and stuff like that. So when you create something you care about, right? People come to you. You don't, you know, like, you got to think about it. We live in an industry, especially like the film industry, where everybody's chasing it. So if you stand up and you go create something, you're someone they chase, right? So you got to look at it that way. It's like, why wouldn't you create your own work? Do you want to be the person chasing everything your whole life? And I, I'm, I think it's great. That there's so many people who want to put, you know, who want to do the work. You know what I mean? Who want to yeah. be a part of these great things. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying create as well, you know? Don't just be subject to the industry because, you know, there was a lot of people. We had 42 roles we had to cast, which was huge for that project. Yeah. But, you know, how many people wanted to be cast? We can only cast so many people. And, and we had amazing actors, you know, come up for many of the roles. And, you know, it's at a certain point you have to make a choice. And a lot of the time the choice was like, well, if we go with this way, it has that feel. We go with this way, it has that feel. But we had the decision, right? We got to make it and... and you know, we knew we would be a part of it. Everyone else, you know, they were subject to whatever fit the vision. You know what I yeah. mean? So I think creating your own work, you know, gives you a certain sense of power and it also puts you on the radar, you know, for a lot of things. Yeah. And yeah. And, th and that's the thing. It's, I think maybe that's where a lot of the confusion comes from where it's like, oh, well, if I, if I do something like this, it might get me this kind of attention and, you know, and, and, you know, people be interested in me for this reason, it's like, it's like, no, that's, that's not really how it works. It, it actually comes from doing so, like creating something that is, is originally from, from you, you know, mm -hmm. something because that, I feel like that kind of thing, it, it translates, mm -hmm. it comes across when it's just like, Oh wow, that's a really original idea. Or that's, that's a take on something. That's a voice on something that I've, that I've never seen before. And now I'm really interested in this person. But if you come at it from, from the angle of trying to think about what somebody else, cause you, you don't know, you don't know what somebody's going to like or what they're not going to like. No. Like that's, that's an, that's a losing battle from the very beginning. Uh, you know, like big, big companies, you know, spend tons of money trying to figure out what's, what's going to be popular, what's going to be trending, you know, like following following Twitter and, and YouTube and stuff to see, it's like, oh, this seems to, but the thing is, is that even they're still behind for the most part. They're st when, they, when, and studios often like, especially in, in, you know, our industry, in the film industry, they get burned for that every now and then. Mm -hmm. Like you actually see, see it happen. It's like, well, yeah, cause you followed a trend that was, you know, this was like really big on YouTube. Like I, but by the time you got around to it, like, and, and got something put together and made this movie, it's already like a, over a year later. Mm -hmm. So, and, and nobody even cares anymore. No. Right. So 
Yeah, you know, and I, I think, you know, as my point earlier, I was saying people will start to come to you, people will start to chase you. If you do it to be chased, if you do it so people come to you, that's another, like, fleeting, disconnected reason to create work. I think you want to look at it as, like, I really care about this idea. <clears throat> the thing is, is that people want to be a part of stuff that people care about because yeah. there's your heart, you know, there's something invested in it that's more, you know, um, I think, uh, you know, I've like lots of times, you know, I'll have like filmmakers that I'm helping like get their first film off the ground and stuff like that. And I always tell them like, like <clears throat> create a story. Here's, here's kind of a structure of how to create a story, but create a story that you care about. What do you care about? And that's the thing I ask them. I always go, what do you, what would you tell? What do you want to tell? What, what matters to you? You know, we had this one, one uh, guy in our, in the first, one of the first classes and he made this movie called uh, Fighting Free. His name is Richard Duke. Oh, I see. I saw that film. Yeah. It was very good. Yeah, it was really good. And um, when we did the test screening, I remember the first screening, uh, we had a whole group of people and like almost everybody was in tears, you know, cause it's a very emotional movie. And I think, um, and, and that movie I think is really awesome. I don't think it's gotten the claim that as good as it is, but the thing is, is that he told a story that he wanted to tell. And I think that, you know, I remember when we were sitting down in the cafe and we we're talking about what kind of story to come up and I was just asking him a series of questions. I just said, you know, like, What's important to you? What do you care about? Is there a story in your life that really stood out to you? And he started saying, you know, there was this kid um, in my karate class who, you know, he had cerebral palsy. And it always kind of amazed me, you know, that he would come and he would practice and work. And I just thought, you know, like how hard that would be and whatever. And he's telling me, I'm like, that sounds like you really, a really story that you really care about. And so he went off and he wrote this movie. And now he's written his feature, which I'm only halfway through. I just read half of it last night. And then I, you know took a break. I'll read the rest tonight, but, um, it's really good. And it's like, you know, this came out of something that he really cared about. And I would not be surprised if this feature becomes something, you know, down the road, that's a lot bigger because, you know, and, and for, for where it's at, um, it's, it's, it's already really good. And it's like, but the thing is you can, you can see that there's some kind of connectedness to it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you care about it. Right. And uh, I think that when you try to write a script that's just trying to meet something else, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, it could be about werewolves or zombies or whatever. It could be about anything. But there's something about the story that you care about that comes through, you know, there's uh, and I think that your care helps you push through the adversity you're probably going to face along the, the path of making a movie or writing a script. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because that's that's what drives you through the through the difficult times of mm. of the creative process I and mean, we've spoken at quite a bit of length about you know the challenges that come up to it because you know part of the challenge of of being a creative person is that you are diving completely into an unknown mm -hmm. you know you don't know what's going to come out of it uh there's no guarantees out of any of it and that's where a lot of the fear comes starts to come up, you know, when, when we approach whatever, whatever it is that we do. And it's that the passion and those things that you believe in, in what you're doing, that will help you push through that, you know, it, it helps, at least, you know, this is my experience, like if, if you're working on something that you went into from a place of, like, yes, like, this is something I really want to say and something I really want to do. 
it really helps to drive me like mm-hmm. on those, when I'm feeling unmotivated, when I'm feeling this or that, I know that that's there. Mm-hmm. I know I'm like, I believe in this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for me, one, like when I take on a piece of work or I begin on a new piece of work, it's what do I want to put into the world? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's the question that I ask for myself. It's like, what's the, what do I want to put out there? Mm. What do I want to say? Because if I don't have a sense of that, you know, then, then it's, it's kind of meaningless mm-hmm. for me to take on. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I mean, I remember when, uh, in the initial concepts of, uh, Soldiers of the Apocalypse was that show is a military type show and it's about fallen angels and, and basically how fallen angels had mated with humans and became Nephilim and that they're basically ruling the world and all this stuff and keeping it basically as a secret society, but they're basically controlling the world and we don't really realize it. But the underlying message in the story and something that I really was really something that was really powerful for me and I wanted to talk about and bring light to was that, you know, you got these corporations and banks and stuff controlling the world and you have, you know, people who don't care about humanity. They don't care about the environment. They only care about how much money they're going to make and how much forward movement they can make in their business. And they're willing to do things that, you know, will literally destroy things that are good in the world. For example, the electric car, you know, which if you don't know the story of the electric car, you should go look that up because, you know, the thing is, is, and I'm sure you do, but if anyone on the other line doesn't, the thing is, is that they crushed the electric car, you know, so they moved us back, you know, these powerful companies, they moved us back literally decades in our technology and advancement. Now the electric car is this big thing. It's coming to light and pretty soon everybody's going to be driving electric cars. It's just going to happen. But that's the type of thing that's, you know, holding and controlling our world just for turning a profit. So I thought, you know, Nobody's going to want to watch a movie about that, but they would watch a movie about these super soldier Nephilim, you know, crazy spies like James Bond, where it's a little bit of fun and action and stuff. And underlying there's this message. So, you know, for me, there's more to the story than just soldiers, but I also wanted to make a story about soldiers and spies and, and all that stuff too. But, you know, when you start just thinking about what do you want to tell, yeah, you know, it gets you up in the morning and it keeps you up at night. You know, there was, there was nights where I would just stay up and I would just create because I was so inspired by the story. I didn't even need to sleep, you know? Um, but if you're not creating anything, of course, you're going to be tired. You're going to be lazy. You're not going to go to the gym. You're not going to go and work on your craft. You're not going to do stuff because you don't feel in control of it, you know? And how, and you know, like in our other podcast, we talked about competition and how people compete with each other. If your only competition is how do I beat out this other person to get the role? You know, I don't know how, how, how the longevity of that, I think eventually that will collapse on you. But if you're always competing with yourself about what can I create that's better? What can I make that's better? What can I do that improves upon what I did yesterday? That is, has a lot of longevity because you can do that for the rest of your life. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that you should never look at yourself as being in competition with somebody. It's, I would say try and shift your per- perception to how can I be inspired by, by this? Mm-hmm. You know, how can you take, because there is, there's inspiration to be found in great works as well as ones that you don't find to be so great. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can look at and say, it's like, okay, well, why didn't that, didn't this work? Why didn't that work? How can that, how can that be made better? You know, not as a judge from a judgmental kind of place, but like, 
but really seeing how you can push things. Um, but yeah, you have to, to explore in your work. I mean, that's for me, it's like, that's the excitement of the creative process is, is discovery Mm -hmm. within it because you never really know what it is. And, and that's why it's great to have some sort of, uh, an idea and, and a vision, something that is meaningful to you because it gives you an opportunity to explore that idea and to discover something that you might not have thought of before or, or even fathomed. Mm. Right. You know, I was talking with uh, one of the movie makers. I won't say who it is just cause the com- nature of the conversation we had, but we're talking about it and he's working, he's got this really amazing proof of concept script that he's written. And at first he was struggling with it. And he was, he was lagging behind most of the students in the course. And most of the students were really pushing in their work, their caliber. And this guy I've worked with quite a bit. And I, his, his caliber of his script was quite low comparatively. And so we were pushing, we were pushing, we were pushing. And finally he sent me this script and I read the first page of it. It's they're, they're short. They're only like five to seven pages, but I read the first page of it and I was like, Whoa, this is awesome. And I read the next page. I was like, Whoa, this is really good. Then it got to the fourth and fifth page, which is just at the end. And all of a sudden, it went from this really great, unique, um, amazing proof to this really weird, cliche ending that just seemed like it was pulled directly out of a B action movie. And I was like, what the hell? Like, what a disappointment. (laughs) What happened? (laughs) And so we had a talk today, and I said, you know, and I just gave him direct feedback. I told him all this, right? I said, yeah, this is how it's coming off. And he goes, well, you know, he's like, what am I going to do? I'm going to write action movies for the rest of my life. He's like, I'm a drama writer. And I said, first of all, it, you're, you're not a drama writer. You're a storyteller. It's not about drama or action or comedy or whatever. You're a storyteller. You're telling a story period. And the audience has an emotional response to it. And you and I both know, I said to him, when something is original and when something is not original. And I can tell that you've seen this before. I can tell by your writing because it shifted into something I knew that you'd seen before. And he goes, yeah, I had seen it before. And I said, I think it's because you're judging the medium. You're judging this action sci-fi genre. And he goes, well, yeah, I am. And I go, see, if you judge your story, if you make something wrong, it's not that it's wrong. You got to look at it. It's like unique that's art. Something that's different, something that's from you. It doesn't matter what medium it's in. And we had this really a great conversation about his script and I'm really excited to see the next draft he hands in because I think what he realized and, and it actually helped me realize a little bit more at the end of the day, if we're writing a script or whatever, telling a story, we're storytellers. It's not the genre and all the other stuff is not for us to judge. If, you know, if you want to work in this industry, what if they say, you know what, we only make action movies anymore. I mean, it's not going to happen, but what if it happened? Are you just not going to make movies anymore? Are you just going to stop? Because, like, why not? Like, I, I don't mind. If I'm writing an action movie, I don't care. If it's got to be a horror movie, I don't care. I'll write it because there's a story in there, and I can find something I care about in a story, and I can also always pull something unique out of myself. And I encourage that in everybody else. And I think when, when my point is, to, when we make our own work, make our own work not a copy of someone else's that we think, you know, like what kind of what you brought up earlier. I'm seeing everyone do this and it seems to work. That's a copy. But if you do it because 
you really care about telling a story about this, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Find your own, own voice in what it is like. Yeah. yeah and, and I think that was like our first podcast that we were talking about different genres and writing different genres yeah, and stuff. So, yeah. And yeah, like for this, for this student of yours, it's like, well, you know, it's like, okay, so you've seen this ending. That's fine. That's fine. Like you can like, that's a great place to start from. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, cause in the first draft, like you kind of, you've said this, I, I think you were the one who said this to me and, and it was something that felt like, like, Oh, I already knew that. But like, like you know, it's like that, that's, but that's when I feel it's like one of those, those, almost those, um, those sort of bigger truths happen when you hear it and you know, you're hearing it for the first time, yeah. but it feels like you already knew that. Right. Right. And you had said, it's like in, when you write your first draft, it's kind of like getting all of the cliches out. And there's a lot of truth in that where it's like, yeah, like there's, you'll write a lot of things that are, is just stuff that, that you've seen before. There's nothing wrong with that because you have the opportunity to go back. And then now find your own voice within that find how it's like, okay, so that's how someone else has done it. How are you going to do that? How are you going to put something into this where like that's, and, and that's an opportunity, you know, it's absolute opportunity. You actually gave me, uh, this is going to sound like we're just sitting here complimenting each other. That's not my point, but you around just giving each other (laughs) handies, (laughs) (laughs) but you actually gave me some advice. Uh, when I wrote my first draft of the brain blues, the first one I gave out for feedback and, uh, you said, take everything that you know that you've heard or seen or is anything cliche before and just turn it and make it your own. Use that same idea, but make it your own. And that was literally the best feedback I've ever gotten. I've applied that to everything I've ever written since that day because I realized, yeah, like that, that was probably when I started to become aware. It was like, oh yeah, of course, everything I put down was a cliche. Well, not everything, but a lot of this is cliche, but it's not like I have to take out the whole idea. It's just that I have to make that idea my own a lot of the time. And sometimes if it's a really big idea, like the whole thing is cliche, you just go, okay, well, what was I trying to do here? And is it that, is that the best way to do it? And if it still is, then maybe I can do it in a way that no one's ever done before. You know? So I think like, I think sometimes we like, I think creating something original out of nothing, that's hard, but creating something original with context, with kind of a frame, that's actually pretty easy. Yeah. You know? And I think that's a lot of time where, uh, storytellers and maybe even, I don't know, cause I'm not, but like, uh, artists and painters and, and musicians and stuff where they maybe get lost in how do I be original, just create something with some context and then from there make it original. But if you're trying to make it totally original out of nothing, that's hard to do because you just have nothing to cling to, nothing to hang on to. Right. So anyway, my point was, yeah, like that was a great way, you know, just write the cliche and then move it on to something original, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, find, find where, how you do things, you know, it's like, it's like, that's great. That's how we've seen it done. But it's like, there's a great article. I'll, I should, uh, put up a link for it. it was, it was terrific. It was, um, I can't remember who the writer was, but somebody who's written some absolutely terrific screenplays and he had like six pieces of advice or whatever. And, and he talked a little bit about those cliches and it's just like, and, and one of sort of like the perfect examples that he put was like writing a piece of dialogue, like 
we've got company. It's like, how many times have we heard that line before? <laughs> right? It's like, why do, like, we, we write it and it's still, I, I see it all the time. Yeah. I'll watch a, a movie or a show and someone says, we've got company. Yeah. And it's just like... <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like, you know, yeah, it was a great line once upon a time. But it's like, you know, if you if you catch yourself, you see that that you've written we've got company, what's another way that you can that you can say the same thing? Totally. Like and it actually does not require that much effort. No, and I'm know? sure anyone on the other side of this line has already just come up with 10 different options. Yeah, you know, for we've one. got company. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But that's a great example. I also wanted to go back a little bit here and say something about um, the, the client that I've been working with. He's produced a lot of really great stuff. Most of his stuff has been drama, and it's been great. Um, but I wanted to say that the reason... This wasn't his first draft. And the the reason why I think it kind of went off the rails there at that point, um, which I'm sure... I, don't, I feel confident it won't now, but I think the reason why I did was because he was being very judgmental of the medium, being very judgmental of the genre or whatever. And I think that the the thing that I just wanted to point out was that don't be judgmental of of it. Like, you know, I think if we look at art in any way, like even if you look at modern art or, you know, charcoal art or, or you listen to country music or you listen to classical music or R&B or whatever, don't be judgmental of it. You know, the thing is, is the moment you judge it, you you distance yourself from it and you have no access to it anymore. Yeah. And it's not to say that you have to be like, oh, well, I'm going to be a country artist now because, you know, I have to be able to do every type of music. But I think that, like, and I would I would not be surprised if country music can teach something to R&B stars as R&B can teach to classical as classical could teach to, you know, rock and roll. Everybody can teach someone something. And know that to be true about the genres in film. If... You say you're a comedy writer, that's fine, but drama can still teach you something. You know, horror can still teach you something. Thriller can still teach you something. Action can still teach you something. So if you judge any one of those other genres, now you don't have access to that part. It's like cutting off a limb. Okay, it's like, you know what? I don't like my left arm. I'm just going to get rid of it. And I'm going to function yeah. without a left arm. You know what? I can get by because I can do everything with my right arm. And I have legs and I can walk and I have a body, so I'm fine. But why? Why would you cut off that limb just, like, in spite yourself? <laughs> you know? Yeah. You don't have to use your left arm all the time, but keep it there. Respect it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, and also it's, yeah, like, don't judge it because... Like, you don't know what something could pot could potentially be. Mm -hmm. Like, I think of some of, like, if you look at any, any sort of movie that you would actually traditionally look at, if you, look, you would say, it's like, well, this is a genre piece, but has gone so above and beyond what you expected. Like, they've still been injected with something that is from the, from the author's voice or from the artist's voice, like, in... I think of something like, um, you know, this year, a big, huge movie was, um, X Ma uh, Machina, Machina, X Machina, X Machina, X Machina, I don't know. Jeez. Yeah, but whatever. People will be just like, ugh. Yeah. I always, I always say X, X Machina, but, but I keep hearing it's X Machina. Yeah. But that's a science fiction movie. Yeah. That's a science fiction movie. But like, you'd almost like lose sight of that within how great the drama is and how, th and, and how much of a, th like there's, and there's as thrilling as it is as well. 
Um, but like even to something um, in in as big of a bigger blockbuster or something like if you look at something like you know Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight that went above and beyond what people expected of an action for an action comic book movie like yes. nobody nobody had seen comic book material treated like that before there was so much more behind it and and I mean Christopher Nolan's always had high ambition like that's something that I've always gotten from his films like whether I felt that he's entirely hit his mark or not mm -hmm. I'm always just like wow he has such a huge ambition and in what he's trying to say with this right and I mean that's that's a great thing to get crushed under, I feel. Yeah. You know, it's like if you're going to get crushed by anything in your work, it should be like like the w through what you're trying to say. Going for it. Going for it. I remember when we saw The Dark Knight together. I remember you leaving the theater and going that was one of your top 10 favorite movies when you walked out. Yeah. It did it did blow me away. It did shock. I don't know if I would still say that. <laughs> but at the time but it obviously impacted you quite a bit when you would you know, consider that. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. I remember being in theater and just, and just feeling like, oh my God, like I, I was going on a, for, I was taken on this ride with it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was going to happen. I felt, I actually felt helpless at yeah. some point in it. Like I felt like I was in the position of, you know, of Bruce Wayne and mm -hmm. this whole, and the entire city that was kind of being held hostage to this madman. Mm -hmm. It's like, how are you going to stop this guy? I don't know how you stop this guy. <laughs> right. And, and yeah. in terms of corruption and morality and, and yeah, it was touching great, on some bigger issues. It was too. touching on some bigger things. And yeah. I, it was, it really blew me away in addition to being a Batman. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Heath Ledger's Joker, which was Whoa. like, that was, was like a revelation. Yeah. Um, which he won an Oscar for. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, yep. you know, I, I think, um, well, you know, also I think when it comes to, when it comes to having an Oscar performance, um, as amazing as the actor has to bring themselves to the work, um, I think that m most actors, I would not be surprised who have won an Oscar would be able to look and appreciate the work they were a part of because I, cause they don't certain work, you know, like there's no way in which a certain stories will provide access to that caliber of performance. You know what I mean? Like there is, um, there, there's a, there's a quality to a lot of the work that, that opens up the door for performance or for, you know, a director to make something like, I remember, uh, you know, one of my earlier films, we were dealing with a story and I remember telling this production company that I was hired for, I said, you know, this is a very artistic film and not a lot of people will get it. And no matter what we do with this, it's going to be a hard sell, even in the festivals. And I knew this, and I was like only like, I was in my very early 20s, but I knew this. I had a very good pulse on the industry that way. And they said, well, no, we still want to make it, whatever. And so I remember we directed, we came with the final picture. They submitted for every Leo award there was, that you know, whatever, and they thought it was going to be, you know, whatever. And it just didn't win anything. It just was not accepted. People didn't get it. And if you look at this film, you know, it's actually, I'm, I'm very proud of this film. The nuances and the things that are in it and the multiple levels, if you rewatched it and understood how much is going on, 
it, it has so many layers. But the thing is, is sometimes when, it, when something, when the narrative becomes something that's a little too hard to grasp, it's not given to you quite easily enough, sometimes people won't get it. And I think that that's, a, that's an example where, you know, our artistic, like, and I think that the, the writer, I thought he was really brilliant. Actually, I thought his story was, was quite intelligent. It was actually so intelligent that it was hard. But I'll tell you something about this little movie, which is interesting. It did really, really well in Germany, in all the German areas. The German population understood this movie. They got it. You know what I mean? And uh, we got distribution. We got money back for it and all that stuff. And, and um, it was a short film, which was kind of rare. Yeah. So it's interesting because, you know, if you're basing that on everyone's response, then, the, then why would you ever make that film? Why would you ever express yourself that way? But if you're making it because you're like, I just really believe in this story and I think it's a good story to tell and we all want to be a part of it and let's do it, then you do it. And you know what? You, you do it. And I think that there's sometimes you do something with the mindfulness that, okay, well, this will be commercially successful. This might not be commercially successful, but it'll have some amazing performances in it. This is a really great story, but you know, like, I don't know, whatever. Like, there's certain things where, you know, when you look at whatever you're making and you realize what you might be getting into, but I don't know if you want to, like, necessarily always make it for those reasons. Yeah. You know I mean, I, mean I, I feel like any project that you, or piece of work that you take on, um, in terms of creating your own work, like you're going to, because it is, it's an investment of your time and hopefully of you, mm-hmm. like you, there should be a part of you that is invested in this of who you are and you should be able to say that you will make it whether like, whether there's huge success or if it does absolutely nothing. Because at the very least, you can always stand behind it, mm-hmm. right? And that's like this short film, like that's a testament to that. Yeah. And the fact is, is and this was something that uh, that had crossed my mind a little earlier in our discussion was that it's like, you know, you never know where your audience might be. And the thing is, we live in a time where you can find such a niche audience and that niche audience is millions of people. Like it's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely extraordinary. Yeah. Like you could you could make a film and put it up on YouTube and you know have twenty million people see your see your movie. Well, here's you know like here's, that, that's unbelievable. Yeah, here's an example. One of my my actually pretty much my favorite movie, Fight Club. It bombed absolutely bombed in the box office, like atrociously. Um, but it's maybe arguably at least to date the biggest cult classic it's made so much money or it's had so much of a cult following it's such a big movie but it was all after its opening weekend after it was out of the theater really because people didn't get it right away like like and i think i've talked about this in an earlier podcast but i talked about how my dad was like isn't that a movie just about a bunch of goons fighting or whatever like and even in my first watch i'm not saying that i got the intricacies of it i mean i i didn't but then it started to connect with me. It took me about two to three weeks before I started telling everyone to see the movie, which was too long, you know what I mean? And, and for it to work in the traditional sense yeah. of movies, right? So, like, and Donnie Darko, that was another movie yeah. where a lot of people really liked, but, you know, not everybody got right away, you know what I mean? Or they don't, they still don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and 
and I mean, something like Fight Club, I, mean, I, I think that nobody knew what to expect from that, you know, yeah. like, it, I don't even really remember how that movie was marketed when it came out, mm -hmm. to be honest with you, I remember it being out, <laughs> you know, when I was in high school, and, you know, people sort of talking about it, and, and I remember seeing it for the first time, and yeah, and it was, it was, you know, it was this Brad Pitt movie, you know, with Edward Norton, who, who's not at sort of a Brad Pitt status at, that, at that point, point at, yeah. in his career, but, you know, it was like, oh, there's Brad Pitt, and there's these guys, you know, they fight each other, right? Like, that was basically what you <laughs> yeah, thought. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Uh, and there was just, but there was so much commentary that is going on that, like, I pick up something new every single time I, I watch that. Yeah. Like, it is saying so much about our culture in the, in, in the Western world, mm -hmm. you know, about, um, you know, our materialism and what makes us happy and, and what and our purposes are. This and idolization. Uh, yeah. Idolization and how angry we are. Yeah. You know, and how, and how afraid we are. Yeah. And why, you know, like it's, it's a really an incredible film mm. and the, yeah, it's, and it was remarkable. These people have said it's kind of like the clockwork orange of, you know, the modern day, mm. which is another terrific, <laughs> unbelievable well, movie. But. And so, I mean, I guess this is, this is the point is that sometimes, you know, you, if you base it on the response of everybody alone, you know, that's, that's confusing in and of itself. And you know, what, what, how are these great projects ever going to get made if everybody always plays it safe and always tries to just please everybody? And I think that it's a, you know, and we, I think we keep coming back to this. How does Mart, how does art meet the world and how does the world meet art? And I think for us, you know, as artists, um, and I mean us as in every single person in the world who wants to express himself in some way, is that you need to be truthful to yourself, but you need to think about, you need to consider. You need to consider that if you want to share with other people, how are you going to try to deliver in a way where they can understand it? And I think the, the more awareness you have of like people's language of how they receive stuff and how they understand things, like for example... It amazes me, for example, how many people get into filmmaking and don't understand patternization. They don't understand Eisenstein's editing theories. They just don't even know it. And to me, I go, well, that's like, that boggles my mind. And he's uh, talking about this. People are like, well, what is he talking about? And the fact that you don't I'm know that. I'm wondering what you're talking right, about. <laughs> and the fact that you don't know that is something that is holding you back as an artist. So that's something you, you really would benefit from learning. Just to give an example, patternization is essentially the idea that we see a series of things together and we create a pattern of meaning out of them and also a pattern of predictability. So if I see red, green, blue, and then I go red, green, blue, red, green, blue. Right. But so now that's a pattern. So we created that pattern. So if I show you red and green, you assume blue will happen, even though I've never shown you red, green, blue before. I'm just another person in the world that did red, green. So now what happens is you assume blue must be there. And so if I give you something else, it's a surprise. And you go, wait a minute, that doesn't work. That's not the pattern. Here's an example. Eisenstein, I believe it was, did this experiment. It was in film where I think he showed uh, a, a man 
just a picture of a man or a video of a man and it looks like he's thinking and then they showed a picture of a hot dinner plate I'm probably getting this wrong but it's something along these lines and then they ask the audience what's going on you know in this picture of the man again they go what's going on in this scene and everyone goes oh he's hungry or he's about to be served dinner and then they they said that these these scenes were from different movies. They were not in the same thing. They just put them as a pattern together. And it basically shows that if we see food, we see a person, we go, oh, that person's hungry, or dinner's about to be served, or whatever. We created a story out of nothing. It didn't exist. We just saw two images together. So as a filmmaker or an editor, if you don't understand this, just think about the disadvantage you're working from from someone who does. So this is like where our craft, our understanding as artists, we need to go out there in the world and learn some of these things so that we can understand that it's not just about our truth, but we're not doing the pattern to please everybody. We just understand that the pattern is there and that's how we're working. Yeah. You know? It's, it's like, um, a knowledge and awareness of the medium that you work in, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Um, in this case, you're talking about like editing, sure. you know, but like there's, there's so many different ways in which that works, you know, like in, in within all creative fields, like a knowledge colors in art, colors and art, um, you different know, different instruments and mu music. Yeah. Right? And, well, different instruments, but also like in, in music, there's different keys. There's different, like, like what, what are you working in? Like, this is, you know, something that, that I'm always fascinated by in music. Um, having played music myself for a while, it's like, you know, the, the different feelings that uh, a certain chord, um, you know, evokes from you, you know, like you, you do a, you know, your minor chords are great for like, just on a very basic level, minor chords kind of create a more somber, somber feel. Your major chords feel, have often a more, um, happy sort of, um, you know, full or vibrant kind of a sound to it. But you get even in beyond that, like you do, and then there's how you put them together, mm -hmm. you know, which is like, and, and it just, it increases in its complexity. You can throw in a chord there that maybe you wouldn't expect. It still fits, but some chords create a certain feeling of tension, mm. right? Like, or it's just like, oh, like it, they, they call it um, unresolved. Mm. Like you feel like, oh, like there's this unresolved note, but then you can leave it that way, which some musicians do, or you can bring it back around to the key in which you started and suddenly it's become resolved, mm. right? And there's this feeling of completion to it. But all of these things, and it's extraordinary, it's absolutely extraordinary because you don't have to have any knowledge of music to get it. Mm -hmm. You don't have to know that that's what they did to understand that that's to, to, to feel the emotion that they've actually created. Right. And a lot of that w is them knowing their craft and their medium. They have their voice and their message of what they're doing and they're using the craft to help get that across. Right. You bring up a really good point because, you know, a lot of the time filmmakers of the past and stuff, they, you know, well, if you look at film, for example, it started off as a very... I mean, it's very simple. I mean, it was like a camera capturing some actors, do some stuff. And you know that back in the day, I don't remember when, when this changed, but they used to not cut off an actor's body at all because they were scared that people would think that they had cut off their body. 
They were, they were scared <laughs> that people didn't understand that the frame was only capturing a certain part of it. Like, we've come a long way. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but, you know, like, people started doing things that, that it was only later people started to understand, but I think sometimes artists stumble upon things they don't even realize they've stumbled upon. But I think when... But, you know, when you're playing music, for example, and I, I'm, I only know a little bit, but the thing is, is that I do, I have played the guitar a bit and, you know, whatever. I do find when I feel a certain thing, when I play a certain chord a certain way or I do a certain combination, I have a certain feeling that I get out of it. And I trust that feeling and it opens up some kind of riffs that I try and, and then they work, you know. And I think that um, it's kind of like that you know, with film too, in certain ways where when you're, especially when you're younger and you're a kid and you kind of just grab a camera and you go shoot some stuff with your friends. If you try some things, you start to kind of go, Oh, this is kind of cool. You know, this is kind of neat, right? Like for example, it's all very, sometimes it's intuitive. Like for example, one of my friends, he made this film, he directed his first film uh, last year and these guys get super high and, and hung over and whatever. And they party super hard. And in the morning, he wakes up on the couch and the, and the camera is on him, but it's kind of off. Like it's not, like it's kind of, it just like, it looks like it's, it's not, you know, and it's kind of catching more of the table than really him. And you only kind of see him in the corner of the frame. Like that is one of those intuitive kind of, you know, um, moments where you put the camera in a way that gives you an experience of what it's like. And, you know, we could break down all the technical elements of that, but I doubt that the filmmaker is going, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to talk in these technical ways. It's like, let's just do this shot. This would be cool. This would, this will help provide the experience. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, uh, I'm and creating I'm, a feeling in the audience of being yeah. a little bit off balance of being a little bit. And, and that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I think that's really terrific. I mean, there's, and, and this is something that we've, we've talked about in the past and, and I, I get more clarity on it the more that we talk about it. And, and to me, it's, you know, it, the, between the art and the craft, you know, and, and for me, like the art's always been like, well, that's the personal thing from you. That is, that is how you've injected yourself into it. That's your, I, what your idea is or your belief is, uh, and the craft the the craft is a terrific servant but a terrible master mm. i feel that's like what i'm starting to realize like no it's like that the craft is never the thing that should dictate where you're going yes that makes total sense to me you know and i think that that was one of the issues i had with uh with film school when i was there with the with you know having some of these teachers try to try to be like well you know it all comes back down to the art, which is your centered truth, your story, your passion, your drive, your reasoning to tell the story. The craft is there to serve that. If you make the craft the master and you make it more important than what's inside you and you make your internal heart servant to what the craft is to achieve everything perfect, I think that you take all the heart and soul out of your project or... And it doesn't even have to be a movie. I mean, it could be literally anything. And, I, and, and the way you said that, the craft is a great servant, but not, but the terrible master, I think, or however you put that, yeah. that's, that is, that's, that's the truth. I, that, I totally agree with that, you know? And I think that we, I think it's an advantage to learn the craft. 
Oh, absolutely. I think you have many advantages because it opens up your awareness and it opens up your flexibility and possibility. But I think that you have to just remember that that's just a tool belt. Yeah. No, it's not, you are still the worker. You're still the craftsman, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're the wielder of the craft. Yes. You know, the craft does not wield you. Yes. Right. So, and, and I think that that often gets lost, especially in our, in our education because, and I think there's, there's a reason for that. But with that said, then there's been this whole message that's been lost in a lot of sort of artistic education. Uh, the craft is focused on because that's something that's teachable. Mm -hmm. That is something that is intellectually like you can learn it. It's mm -hmm. like there's, it's an application. Uh, the rest, it's like, well, how do you teach that? Mm -hmm. How do you teach somebody to be creative? Mm -hmm. You know, how, like that's, that's where you start getting into a territory where, yeah, you can't really just like have a classroom full of people say the same thing to them and it's all going to work per se, right? You not, know, it's like, not in creative, not no, in creativity. No, because, no. and that's because creativity is, uh, creation is uh, a movement into a mystery, into mm -hmm. an unknown, you know? And you have to be, you know, and you know why I don't think it works in our school system is because our school system is based on right or wrong, get the answer right, know the answer, all that stuff. And the problem is, is that art and creativity is about being willing to be wrong. In fact, I would say the more willing you are to make a mistake, the more willing you are to be incorrect, to do something that is not the answer, the more likely you will step into something truly magnific magnificently organic and original and unique. If you are trying to get the answer right, that already assumes that someone has already gotten it right, therefore it's already been done, therefore it's cliche, therefore it's not original, therefore it is not art. It's a copy. Yeah. So art, in a sense, is to do the thing inside of you. And even if it happens to look the same as someone else, you know, it doesn't matter because in the context of you, it comes out in an originality, even though it might look the same. You know, and I think that there, there's still a nuance. There's something about it when it comes out of you that even if it looks the same, you know, it's not the same, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I there's, think... there's always an opportunity. There's always an opportunity to, to do it. Even in like, I've referenced this in the past, but, um, you know, whoever, I, I don't know who it is off the top of my head, but whoever penned the script for, um, for some, uh, the last Captain America movie, um, the winter soldier, you know, that was, like that was a blockbuster kind of a film, hmm. an action blockbuster kind of a film, but somebody put some effort, somebody put an idea, a concept, a message within that story. Yeah. And really wore it on its sleeve. And that was for me, a part of why it, it was so successful. It's a part of why it was so received as as being one of the best marvel movies that's been done and it's because somebody took a chance somebody put a voice into it not because that was necessarily what was going to be popular in fact there is probably more evidence to point to why that wouldn't be a good decision hmm. but they put that in there mm -hmm. and it's a better film because of it and it was still a great action movie <laughs> Yeah. It still had all of the sequences, but it, the, the, 
the bigger concept that was underlying it just just helped to uh, enrich it in a way that was even better. So, uh, and we're just looking at it right now. So the writing credits are Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. I think it's Stephen. 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 Oh yeah, McFeely. I always say Stephen McFeely. So Maybe it's Stephen. Who knows? Sorry, it could Stephen be. or <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, I haven't actually seen it, but uh, I've heard you talk about it a couple times, and um, yeah, you know, I hear you. I mean, that's the thing is like, because you can take these. I think when you take these big comic book movies, and you know, especially adaptations, anything that's based on someone else's thing. I mean, you you know, you have to connect to the story in your own way. Um, you know, I have a friend. He's a writer. He's written a bunch of novels, and uh, we were talking about someone bought the rights already to his first book, right? And so it's been optioned for the last while. And um, myself and another producer have been looking at possibly getting the rights for it so we can write the script and produce it. And, and the producer that I have is very serious about getting the movie made. And I, the writer and I were sitting down, we're talking, we're just hanging out, having some drinks together. And I said, I know exactly how I would make this, this how I would tell this story as a movie. And he goes, really, how would you do it? And we just sat down, we had a conversation and I was like, and I wasn't saying it in a editorial way. I was just saying, this is how it inspired me. And so what I was open to was also hearing like what he would want as a writer. And I think that what's really unique is that like he, he was sharing to me, he's like, I just wanted to tell a story. Like, he's like, I'm like, how did you come up with this thing in the first place? And he was saying, I, I was just, it's about these kids that basically, um, do this, like kidnapping or whatever and um they they seem like the heroes which is really interesting this book is 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 so well done um but they seem like the heroes and you don't even realize till the end of the movie that they're the bad guys because they are the kidnappers but all along you're cheering for them all the way through and and the rock bottom moment of the script is so good you're just like i'm just i remember being like what the hell is going to happen now? Like, what is going <laughs> to happen? What are they going to do? How are they going to get out of this? Like, they're so screwed. You know what I mean? But anyway, like, um, he was just telling me about his inspiration about that book. And then when I read it, I, you know, obviously I didn't write the book, but I had an inspiration of how I could see it being a movie. And so I think that if I just went in there and I said, okay, I'm going to do exactly based on your inspiration then I'm not going to be connected to it if I happen to be the person that, that pens the screenplay, which seems like we might go that road. I don't know. But if I was going to be in a part of it in any way, in any fashion, I would try to find my connection to it. And then hopefully the director would come in, whoever that ends up being, and then they would have a certain connection to that story and they would bring in a certain thing. And the story might not look necessarily exactly the same as the book, in everybody's mind. Yeah. But if everybody brings some kind of truth to it, I think at the end of the day, it comes out as something really special, something really cool. You know, I'm writing a novel right now. And I, I, I think sometimes like I was talking with someone about it and I kind of gave them the pitch to the novel. And they go, wow, that sounds great. It's like, that sounds like it's going to be a movie. And I'm not even thinking about that. I was like, yeah, I guess it could be. They're like, who do you want to star in it? They're like, I think you should have this person star in it and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, holy crap. Like, I'm just thinking like, it's so interesting because people are going to have their own experience of this whole thing. And meanwhile, right now, as I'm writing this book, 
I'm just trying to tell my experience, my truth, my imagination. What it ends up coming, becoming, if it ends up becoming a movie at the end of the day, that'd be pretty cool. But I'm sure it won't look like whatever I'm thinking right now. I'm sure it'll look somewhat different than what's in my mind exactly. Yeah. But you know what? If the right people are involved, I imagine it could be a lot better even because it will expand upon it. Not that it will be better in the sense that, you know, in a novel you get a certain experience and a movie you get a different type of experience. I think if you try and that's, they're two different mediums, but I think that obviously the person I have in my mind might not look exactly the way they look, you know, the actor who plays them, but you know, they might not be able to cast the person that I think they should cast and they cast someone else, but then that person brings something I didn't expect. Who knows? Anyway, this is all hypothetical, but I just think it's kind of <laughs> interesting to think about this whole artistic process is like, there's, you know, there's the craft, but then at the end of the day, we all got to bring our truth to it, you know? Yeah. Okay, Evan, <laughs> we hit it. We, hit a we hit, it. Tell me about this beer that we, um, well, you're going to get us some more, so I'll just try just to keep everyone's, the air. Just keep, everyone's, the air. keep everyone's attention for a minute. All right. Um, this, so what is this is from, uh, Main Street Brewing, uh, on Main Street. Okay. And, uh, Mainstream I believe seventh Avenue ish oh, okay. area there. And this is their, uh, Saison. They didn't have any fancy name for it. Um, but it is, uh, it is quite good. It is good. I didn't realize it was a Saison. It is a Saison. It is a very light Saison. I thought it's... it was just a lager. No. With a little hop. No, it is, uh, just kind of citrusy and crisp and light and smooth and uh I am very impressed. Yeah, I'm impressed too. I'm very impressed. It's been a nice it's been a nice easy drink. I mean, our last podcast we had a nice solid hefty beer. Yes. And, and this, you know, it's good to change it up a little bit. Um What's the what was the alcohol percentage on this beer? Uh you know what? It's actually something like 6%, well, which is pretty high for a for a saison. Yeah, I guess so. In my experience, they, uh, they, I also sampled a uh, delicious uh, IPA from them, which I decided not to go for, but I'm like, I won't rule this out in the future. <laughs> <laughs> They've yeah. got some good stuff over there, and uh, I am now on one of their reward cards, so I, I start ac- we'll, we'll start accumulating stamps from there, and eventually we get a uh, free, uh, free shirt and oh. a free toque. Oh, that's good. So other people can go and get their stamps and get a free shirt and a free toque. Yes, indeed. Well, you know, it's, um, uh, having, having all these craft beers has been, it's been pretty fun. I mean, you know, I'm really finding that my taste for beer has matured a lot and I'm starting to, I'm starting to pick up things that I wasn't able to pick up before. You know, it's, uh, just, you know, it's, it's, uh, cause you know, I think sometimes you might have, uh, a certain, you stick to a certain type of beer. You have that pretty commonly, you know, you get pretty used to that, you get pretty comfortable with it. But when you try a whole bunch of different beers, you start to notice things. And I think, you know, going back to some of the beers I've had, I noticed them a little differently because, you know, I've had other stuff that's comparable. It just kind of expands the experience. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know the kind of beer that I drank when I was like 19, 20 years old <laughs> for, and, and unfortunately for uh, you listeners in uh, the U.S. of A., you've got a little ways to go beyond that, which is crazy to me. But anyhow. Well, just commercialized beer. I mean, you know, but some yeah, people... Yeah, commercialized some... beer. You're, you're 
you know, stuff that's just like everywhere. It's like mass produced kind of, kind of stuff, which is, you know, it has its place. Yeah. It has its place. Um, well, I mean, I guess, I guess it depends what you want. You know, like I think if you're just hanging out and you're watching the game and you just want to chill and you don't want to think too much, having uh, the same beer over and over, something cheap that you can get for all your friends, good. That's good. Go with it, right? I think if you're, you know, if you're kind of wanting to try some new things and expand your, you know, horizons and maybe your taste buds a bit, been trying some, you know, I think these craft beers and the way they're playing around with them and, and trying new things, I think that's a, you know, it's a good thing to go. And I, I don't think that, I don't think there's anything wrong with what anyone else wants to do, but I'm just finding that I'm, you know, I'm finding that I'm appreciating the, the craftsmanship in the beer. Yeah. And I mean, if you, uh, live in a place where you do have, uh, craft brewers, definitely check it out because I mean, there's, it's actually quite affordable Mm -hmm. to do it. In fact, a lot of times it's, it's, it's cheaper than buying from a store uh, to get, to get a fill on something, you know, or, or whatever it is, but you're also supporting local business, which I'm a huge fan of as well. So if you've never gotten onto the craft beer sort of, you know, bandwagon (laughs) (laughs) and you have one or maybe two or maybe a ton, maybe you've got dozens of them in your neighborhood, start checking them out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, I also find like the nice thing about going to these craft breweries is, uh, I find that the, the people who run them just to be so, just so awesome. I mean, like, you know, and I've been meeting a a whole bunch of the people who are around, you know, the Vancouver area and, you know, just so welcoming and, and they, you know, it's like kind of, it's, it's, it's a very like friendly personal experience, you know? And also what's really cool about going to a lot of craft beer places is that people kind of go there, I think, to kind of socialize and hang out with their friends, but it's also a great place to kind of connect with people. There's lots of people I've met just going, you know, and hanging out and like going, what beer are you trying? And they're going, well, what beer are you trying? And, oh yeah, I really like that one or whatever. It's like, yeah, cool. I was yeah. thinking trying this one next. Like, oh, that one's really great. You should also do this. And then all of a sudden, before you realize it, you just made a friend, you know, and that's a lot more than say going to Costco or going to supermarket or whatever, or liquor store and buying a case of beer and checking out with your whatever pack you got and you don't talk to anybody and you know you make no connection right or you go to the bar and everybody's just watching the game or doing their own thing and and you only know the people who you came with and you don't really meet anyone else unless there's other people there the nice thing about the craft beer is that people are just literally there to have some beer to socialize to hang out and I think that's they're great they're kind of they're kind of even better than the coffee shop because even the coffee shop a lot of time people don't want to talk at least yeah. in vancouver <laughs> oh yeah definitely you know? <laughs> yeah it's weird that it's a part of the culture because you can you can totally do that as well like especially more so like if you go to a more artisan style coffee shop as well right you know where it's like i i promise you if you if you go to sort of if you've got a, like a nice little artisan like coffee shop in your neighborhood go and and ask your barista about you know what they're doing mm. in any way you know it's like what ask like they'll and they'll be thrilled to talk to you about <laughs> coffee because there there isn't 
there is an art form to that as there is an art form to beer. I mean, they call, they call them brewmasters, you know, yeah. people study this and they put their personalities into the beers that they make. They, they, there's so much that goes into that as well, into their craft, but it's also, you know, you find these great, you know, these great makers of beer who, who they've, they have their own sensibilities about what they think a great beer is. And you get to go and taste that when you go to a craft brewery, which is another part of the magic about it all too. Is like, you really like, these are artisans. Well, yeah, you know, it's really cool too, is every craft beer place has, usually has its own lager, its own ale, and then it usually has its own kind of special beer, you know? And so everyone seasonals, seasonals. Yeah. And, uh, which, um, if people don't understand, I mean, they're by the season, beer by yeah. the season. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's probably pretty obvious and pretty dumb that I just said that, but whatever. It's all right. I'm just here to We help. all have our moments. <laughs> um, but uh, um, anyway, now just because I was so dumb, I just lost my train of thought. We have all, there's all these different types of beers. Oh yeah, everyone their has own. their own one. So, you know, it's kind of cool is you go to one and, you, you know, you, you, you might like someone's lager a little more here or someone's ale a little more here or whatever. And, you know, or, or there's like, for example, there's one brewery and I don't know, I, there's out of the ones we've gone to, I, I've, I've enjoyed them each in their own way, but there's one brewery in particular that has one specific type of beer that I know I can only get at that brewery. So if I want that type of beer, then I go there to get that one. You know what I mean? And so I think that that's kind of cool where you kind of like, oh, I like, I really want this beer. And so then you drive or go over or taxi or whatever you do to go have your, depending on how many of the beer you're going to have, <laughs> or if you're going to have it there or have it at home. Um, but you go over there and you can have that type of beer. And what's kind of cool, like, especially at Vancouver, it's kind of neat because you can go to one brewery, have some beer there, walk over to the other one, you know, I don't know. Stumble. Stumble. <laughs> yeah. There's, Crawl. there's, there's, uh, there's crawls like people do, uh, um, anyway, they do, they, they go from one to the next, yeah. you know, all around town. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and all over the place, I've, uh, done some of that in Portland. Hmm. You can do it in Seattle. I mean, Pacific Northwest is a, is a craft beer, hot, hot bed. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we got into a little bit of this actually, you know, like we, yeah. we, you know, usually just spend a couple of moments to talk about the beers that we get and, and, um, but it's good for us, you know, because this is how how this all sort of started was just having enjoying different beers, mm-hmm. sitting down and having conversations, and uh, and and I don't think that's all for for no reason. No, you know, like we go and we sit and we enjoy a craft beer, and and it it helps open things up into it. Well, you know, I'm I'm realizing as the more conversations we have too, how art kind of permeates so many things, like even. Uh, even chili makers, for example, are artists in their own way. You know, I, I are you <clears throat> speaking about me directly here, Brandon? Because <laughs> well, I do make a pretty damn good chili. Yeah, you do make a pretty good chili. I had a whole lot of that the other day at the Super Bowl. Um, <clears throat> but I'm just saying, you know, people who uh, like there's chili contests and stuff, and mm-hmm. I've actually competed. I, I've been a judge in a couple of them, right? Um, and uh, you know, it's interesting because. Um, everybody has their own kind of take on how they, how they do it, how much spice, how much sweetness, you know, what kind of, what the way they do the meat, the way they, the vegetables they throw into a tribute to it, you know, all that. 
I mean, there's a certain artistry to that. I mean, just the breakfast that I made this morning, I tried some stuff out, you know. I changed it up a little bit. And I, I remember, like, and I was telling you this earlier, is, like, I'm eating my breakfast, and I'm like, whoa, I've outdone myself. You know, I did something that I never did before, and I was really happy with the result, right? And, you know, it was basically, like, that I used... Uh, on my eggs, I used, instead of using pepper, I used chili spice. Because I was out of pepper. I just ran out of it. I think sometimes <laughs> that's how art kind of comes to be, you know. Because you don't have option to have something, you try something new. Same with, I know that's in film. Sometimes, you know, I was just sharing a story in another podcast we had, but you lose your location. So you do something else and it works out better, you know. Yeah. You just don't know. Absolutely. So, and, yeah. and cooking is one of those things where, yeah, often you can... Like that's, that's a way a lot. And a lot of people don't even look at it as being creative. It's like, Oh, well I'm just cooking. Yeah. It's like, Oh, there's an incredible amount of creativity that goes on into that. You know, I love looking at, like, I almost never follow any kind of a recipe to the letter, you know, unless it's something that's really quite pristine. But even then I'll often look at a way that I can do something with it. You know, I inject my own sort of sensibilities into it. And it's like, if you're a chef at home, that's another great way to, great way to do something. Like take a look at a recipe and go, oh, okay. Understand, like learn, learn what's going on in there and what, and, and how it all comes together, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the craft of that and then go, okay, great. Use that as a starting off point. It's like we were talking about with like script writing and stuff, you know, it's like, like, yeah, you, there's the cliche. There is the, the recipe. Here's the recipe. Mm-hmm. Now do something with it. Yeah, totally. Once you have that outline, then then you can expand upon it. I always thought about that. Like, you know, if, if you wrote a recipe and you gave everyone your recipe, um, it's never really complete. To me, I would always think about it. Yeah, like, well, what if someone wanted to add this spice to it or, or this thing to it or this element to it? I don't know, like this vegetable, this, this thing. And, and so it, it can just... They could do the recipe verbatim, but then they could add something to it just to try it out and see if they could enhance it a little bit. And then that becomes the best. And then if they kept using that recipe, they could try some other things and see how, you know, and at the end of the day, they might have the better recipe because they had the added thing that the recipe didn't initially have. You know what I mean? But the recipe in the first place, if it wasn't there, didn't give the base for them to expand their creativity upon that, right? And I think that's, you know, I think that when we're, when we're coming back to our main point, you know, creating your own work, I think creating your own work is sometimes about looking at like, what are the recipes that are already out there? You know, like what, what's certain things like, and I'm not talking about, I'm talking about like certain things like ways to tell a story. You know, there's, there's people who have written books like, um, you know, where they've broken down, how do you write a screenplay? How do you break it into three acts, five acts, whatever. They've given you a recipe, but they haven't like, but, and it's, and it's, it's actually kind of an incomplete recipe, but they gave you, and now it's your job from there. If you don't want your recipe to end up like everybody else's is like, how do you inject something of you yeah. in there? Where, what do you think it needs? You know? Yeah. Well, again, they're, they're telling you craft. Mm -hmm. They're telling you craft. They're telling you tools. They're telling you things to be your servant, mm -hmm. but they're not the ultimate message of what you're doing. They're not, they're not what your, they're not your drive. They're not teaching you 
the drive, you know, because that whole part of it, that the art side of it, the creative aspect of it, I mean, you can't teach that. And some people might call that talent. I think talent is kind of, it's an overused word, you know, like it's really, I think talent, it just comes down to how much you're willing to put, you know, your voice into something, you know, how, how in tune with your voice are you? You know, I think that that's what it comes down to. And, and you have to have, I don't know, there was, I was going somewhere with this, my God, this stays on. Well, all right, (laughs) please pick up. Okay, but I had a thought on what you were saying about talent. It's like, you know, people saying you're a natural, you know, Um, maybe you're just courageous. Maybe it has nothing to do with you being natural. I mean, you know, like, like, I was thinking about when I, when I first started playing soccer in my first season, you know, people used to say you're a natural. And then my next season, people used to say you're terrible, but I was terrible, <laughs> but you know, okay. But the thing is, is I have a, I have an idea of why this occurred. First of all, when I, I wasn't a natural, it was that I was willing to do things that players who had played for a long time weren't willing to do, such as run down the wing or run towards the middle of the, the defense. You know what I found out? Sometimes when you're forward and you just run towards the defense, they don't know what to do. Like when you just start sprinting towards them with the ball, they're like, okay, okay, what are we going to do? You know what I mean? But most people wouldn't do that. There's things that you do like shoot the ball from 30 yards out because you're just like, I think I got a shot and you score, you know, yeah. and something happens and then people go, oh, you're a natural. But it's like, maybe you just were dumb enough to take a chance. You know what I mean? And I think that sometimes art is kind of like that. It's like, you know, and I think that when you're new you, and you, you haven't really thought about the consequences of your mistakes, sometimes you're willing to take more risks. And I think the reason why in my second year of soccer, which I started late, but the second reason why I struggled a lot more is, you know, there came a period where I was really worried about making mistakes. And when you start being worried about making mistakes, well, you're not very courageous anymore. Well, you're wor- yeah, you're putting so much onto it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're putting your, you've become so attached to the outcome yeah. of what you do that it ends up kind of, you, you end up sort of imprisoning yourself in a way, you know, like you're, you've, you've come almost given up your own freedom mm-hmm. that you once had. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, uh, I think, uh, and I'll just go back to the soccer analogy. I remember where there was this turning point where I started scoring a lot of goals and I just had this realization that you got to shoot to score, you know, sounds so silly, sounds so simple, but I just realized Anytime I get a chance to take a shot where there's not a clearly a better pass option, but anytime where I get an opportunity, first thing I'm going to think is shoot. Next thing I'm going to think is pass. And I got to a period before that where I was always thinking pass, 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 always set up, lay off, whatever. And I started shooting. And you know what? I started scoring goals. Of course, I missed the net every now and then. It's going to happen. You know, but the thing is, sometimes they save it, whatever. But the thing is, you start shooting, you're going to start scoring. And I think that you got to, you know, you know, you got to be willing to take the chance. And I think that, oh, people go, well, that's easy. But it isn't easy. It isn't easy in the sense that people forget about what are all the consequences that we're afraid are going to happen? Why don't we shoot? Why don't we take the chance? Well, if you miss, you just blew a great opportunity that your team worked for. That's one. Next thing is, you got to deal with the rest of your team reaming you out for, for taking a shot when they think you should have passed. The next thing is, 
you got to face the embarrassment of the fact that you missed when you had a shot. You know, there's, there's all, and you can just tack it on, tack it on, tack it on, right? So there's all these reasons why not to take a chance. So at a certain point, you have to go, you know what? I realize that there's a lot of things that could go that I wouldn't like, a lot of results I wouldn't like. In fact, there's probably more results I wouldn't like than what I would like, which is a score or any of these various other results which don't work out the way I want, right? Yeah. And so you go, you got basically take a chance or, you know, a way higher percentage of all this other stuff. So I think the thing is, is that we have as artists in any medium, we have to learn to take a shot. We have to learn to take a chance. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is like you, you called them reasons and I, I called, I think those are just fears sure. because they're not even necessarily reasons. There are things that we tell ourselves are reasons for why you shouldn't do this and why you shouldn't do that, you know, or why you shouldn't take this because, oh, well, this could happen and this could happen and this could happen. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, well, someone had to take a shot at it, didn't they? Yeah. Right? You know, and like, and you took your shot at it. I mean, it's been told so many times, like, you know, everyone thinks about, you know, Babe Ruth, who was just like the home run, one of the home run champions of baseball. But again, everybody forgets that he was also like the strikeout champion as well. Mm. But nobody remembers him for the times that he struck out. Nobody yeah. does, right? Everyone just remembers him for <laughs> smashing him out of the park. Well, there's a good, you know, there's a great example is that if he was scared to miss the ball, he never would have hit it out of the park. And so he took a chance and he took a chance a lot. And he got good at taking chances, probably so good that he became proficient at it. You know, and, and I think that this is the thing, you know, is that there's so many people who's like not finishing their script or not even starting their script, you know, in, in screenwriting. And I say, just get your first script done. Who cares? Who cares if your first script gets made or not? Just write it, write it down, write that first script. Once you get that out of the way, you know what? It doesn't matter. The moment you get a script done, you have a, you, it, it, your whole life changes. It's just, yeah. and you know this, I know this, the moment yeah. you get it done, it just changes because you know you can write a script. And the thing is, is that maybe that script will work out and it'll be great. Maybe it won't. But the moment you get it done, you'll be in a new place that most people are not in. And from there, you'll decide, am I going to rework the script I just finished or am I going to write my next one? And, and, and either way, it's easier than writing your first script. Either way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the only other alternative is don't. Yeah, don't. Don't write your script and it'll just stay in your head. Yeah. Always. Mm -hmm. And who do you want to be? You know, that's the other thing. It's like, do you want to be the person that talked about writing a script your whole life or talked about making a movie or talked about drawing that piece of art or talked about writing songs? Or do you want to be the person that went out and did it? You know? And, and, if and maybe it wasn't always pretty and maybe it was like, you know, even really difficult at times, but you did it. Yeah. You did it. It didn't just become a pipe dream. Well, and making or left yeah. as a pipe dream. And making your own work, that's what it's about. It's about I'm gonna just go do this thing. I'm gonna try it out. Because the moment you go and do something, the moment you make a movie, I know this, the moment you write a script, life changes after it's done. Yeah. And I think it's really important too for people to follow through. You know, so many people will make a movie and if they even make their movie, they make it and they do nothing with it. They just go, okay, well, you know, that's over. And, and I always think like, don't ever look at anything as a defeat. You know, if you went out and tried something and it didn't work out, go and try again, go do it again. I mean, what are, what are we all supposed to do? We're all supposed to get everything right the first time we ever do it. I mean, give me a break. That's not going to happen. 
and everything lends itself to something. Yeah. You know, maybe this this one thing didn't have uh, the outcome that you would hope for, right? Like you you didn't get uh, distribution for this film that you made, or you you know the script that you wrote didn't get get written, or this you know this piece of art that you made didn't get into an ex- exhibition, you know, or this song that you wrote didn't make it to like the top 10 on iTunes or something. He's like, does that mean it was wasted? Not at all. Not for a second. And I think it's this attachment to outcomes that our success is determined by some quantitative, like material, you know, result is, is absolutely just a, a fallacy and and an impedance to you creating your art Mm -hmm. it doesn't serve anybody it certainly doesn't serve you no no i agree with that totally well well yeah this has been a good one i don't really have much more to say how about you no um no i don't think so um so what did we uh what what have we come to any any closing thoughts well you know, the, the big thing that I'm going to take away from this is something you pointed out about how the craft is a great servant, but not a very great, not a good master. And uh, and I think that that just ma- reminds me that, yeah, like keep learning the craft, but never put that ahead of what is inside my myself creatively as an artist and what I want to do. I can use the, the tools of the craft to help assist me um, speak that voice and put that voice out there and produce that voice. But at the end of the day, the voice that I have is the voice that that's what really matters. That's where all of this comes from. That's where it originates from into something original. Um, and I think that that's a really great reminder. And if I could share anything with anybody else, I'd share that. So that's me. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, for me, I would, I would say today, thing that uh, really sort of resonated with me is that, you know, there's, um, you never know what a good time might, might be to create something. But the important thing is, is to create something that, um, that you really want, want to, to tell or something that you really want to say. Uh, and that doesn't matter what the state of the industry is in, because like you said, Sometimes an industry, whatever industry you're in, might be in a unhealthy or not optimal place. But sometimes that has its own that has its own sort of benefits to it. There's there can be great opportunities within what other people would consider to be a lull time or or a time to not create. There's never a bad time to create. There's never necessarily a good time to create. So. Just yeah. get on with it. <laughs> get on with it. Get it out of yourself because yeah. it's like don't don't let it sit. You know, if you if you've got something to say and you've got a medium that you work in, then then just do it. Just do it because yeah. nothing else matters. Yeah, do it. Get that get that first thing out so that you can work from it. You know, because until it's out there, you know, like we said before. It's hard to come up with something original out of nothing. It's much easier to just get something and then rework that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, this has been the uh, the Brandon and Evan show. Goodbye.
That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.